0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you.
1: Good morning. The first readings from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man. Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns But is not rich toward God. Hear the word of the Lord.
0: The second reading today comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 4, the whole of the chapter. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He's called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land, its height was enormous The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, with food for all, giving shelter to the wild birds and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven." Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion, his kingdom, endures from generation to generation all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth no one can hold back his hand or say to him what have you done at the same time that my sanity was restored my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom my advisers and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Hear the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. As you uh, take your seat, I do ask you to grab the, um, I, I hope you've received this outline with uh, the work of William Blake on it. Some, some of you will recognize. Uh, we'll come to that in a minute and also the uh, text which uh, Kylie, thank you so much for reading that for us uh, and uh, have that uh, by your, uh, to hand so that you can see what we're speaking about here. You'll notice that over the last few weeks we've been reading the story of Nebuchadnezzar and we've got another one of the stories about Nebuchadnezzar here. We know him, we've been introduced to him as the king of Babylon, the mighty empire in his time, 6th century BC. A man who rejoiced in the title of Shah, Kasitim, Kasitim, or the king of all that is, or the king of the universe. That's a very fine title to award yourself, isn't it? King of all that is. According to the legend, he was the builder of the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon. The Hanging Gardens were built next to his palace. His palace rejoiced in the title, the marvel of humanity. I think that would help your real estate price uh, if you put that title on your house wouldn't it the marvel of humanity and these hanging gardens were built for his wife queen amytis because she longed for the green hills and valleys of her homeland so therefore the, the hanging gardens which were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world and nebuchadnezzar when we meet him is a man right at the top a uh, master of the universe the king of all that is he's apparently living the dream power wealth pleasure And fame he has in abundance he has no one to contradict him no one who will disagree with him no one who won't do what he says and he believes that this is just what he is owed this is exactly what he deserves and yet as we will see in this remarkable chapter in his own words he says that he praises god that his life fell apart and that he was humbled. Why? Because he recognised that what he was suffering from was the cancer of spiritual pride, and that his fall was exactly the chemotherapy that he needed. It isn't too hard, of course, to see the parallels between Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and our own city of Sydney with its pride, its belief in the self-made individual. And we are filled with would-be Nebuchadnezzars, you'd have to say. We live in a city of dreams a city of luxe listings a city of aspirations and self-congratulation we believe that our place in the social order especially this side of south dowling street and this side of the harbor is simply what we deserve for our talent and hard work we've worked to get here that's why we're here could it be though that we too are suffering from the same spiritual pride that Nebuchadnezzar was. And with respect, I think very much that we are. And today we'll see how this pride is stealing our joy and defacing our humanity. And we will discover, as Nebuchadnezzar did, the secret of true humility. So as we turn to our story today and look at this text, we find once again that the king, who of all people should sleep soundly, is troubled by bad dreams. This is a bit of a pattern for Nebuchadnezzar. This is the third story where there is some kind of dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And our chapter takes the form of a royal letter to the nations of the earth. from Nebuchadnezzar himself, declaring what exactly has happened to him. Nebuchadnezzar says in verses 4 and 5 that he was at home in his palace, contented and prosperous, and well well may he feel that he is content and prosperous. But he has had a dream which has changed all that, and now he is deeply afraid. His contentment has evaporated, and his feeling of security in his wealth and his achievements has gone. Well, what was this dream? This this powerful dream. It was a dream of a mighty tree, beautiful and fruitful, a shelter to all the creatures of the earth, an extraordinary vast tree. But then, an angelic messenger prophesied that the tree will be cut down to a stump. We see that in verses thirteen to fourteen. This messenger cries out in a loud voice cut down the tree and trim off its branches strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches let the stump and its roots be bound with iron and bronze and remain in the ground in the grass of the field and then that will happen of course for seven he says for seven c7 seven times maybe that's seven seasons or seven months or years and that in that time the tree will be drenched with the dew of heaven and will have the mind of an animal and not a man. This gives us the hint that this is a picture, this tree is not simply a tree, but actually a picture of a, of a person of some kind because it has a mind that will become the mind of an animal in that time. And Nebuchadnezzar, it just so happens, he's got a very skilled dream interpreter in his entourage and that is the man Daniel. So he calls on Daniel to interpret the dream since none of his astrologers can or will do it. And in verse 22, he tells Nebuchadnezzar what Nebuchadnezzar might have suspected and what the astrologers might have suspected, but were too gutless to say. Daniel says, Your majesty, you are that tree. You stand mighty and tall. You encompass all that you see. And your empire provides safety and provisions for all the people that you rule. But the Lord is coming to show you what you don't as yet understand. What you have and what you are belongs to him. So Daniel says to the king in verse 27, Your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It's amazing to see how Nebuchadnezzar is so easily upset by a dream the king of all that is. But it's useful for us to consider his example, for he is one of the few people in human history who has ever stood on the absolute summit of human achievement. There are very few people, maybe a hundred in all of human history, who can say that they had as much power, influence and affluence as King Nebuchadnezzar. So he can see what the view is like from what we think is the top of the pile. And what he shows us is, that no matter how successful in you are in life it is never enough you can never have enough to make yourself feel truly secure and contented you may have had you may have moments where you feel like you are untouchable but you can only have that by shutting out the reality of your vulnerability it only takes a visit to the doctor to change everything doesn't it and if you're lucky God will send you Daniels in your life or Daniel moments to remind you you aren't all you think you are. Acknowledge then that heaven rules. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. Do it while you still have time. For if you don't, well, we'll see what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He did not heed the, heed the warning, and 12 months went by, and then there he was, walking on the, king, on the roof of his palace, uh, that extraordinary abode, not exactly a humble abode, uh, surveying all his achievements, feeling quite pleased with himself. And he says to himself, we see it in verse 30, is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty, not just my palace, but indeed the whole city, the hanging gardens, the gates, the ziggurats, the temples, the whole shebang. It belongs to me. It is a reflection of my glory. It gleams radiant with my power, with my exaltation, with my success. Is this not a symbol of all I have done since I made it and I rule it? This is how it should be, he says. It is right. That all this has become mine since i made it and i rule it now i should hasten to say here that not all pride is bad there is a good form of pride i think it is right for us to rejoice in what god has made us to be and in what god has given us it's right to rejoice in the successes of others to be proud of them but the form of pride that grips nebuchadnezzar here and grips us is poison it's when you look at your life and say yes this is what I did. I am who I am because I've worked harder and better than other people or because I'm just better. I deserve to live here in the front, front seats of Australia's dress circle because of who I am. Pride says, I deserve. I am owed. This is my due. The thing is, this belief... That i am owed will rob you of your joy and will leave you unsatisfied and afraid because if everything i have is what i deserve then what is special about it if everything i have is just what should naturally come to me then how can i be excited about having it it is simply my due it is simply what should be it is simply expected and not special with pride nothing is a blessing everything i have is my entitlement (laughs) And with pride, nothing is ever enough. The human soul is insatiable. We can never really have enough to match our sense of deserving. Nor can we ever have enough to feel utterly safe. There's always more we need to feel safe, to feel utterly secure there's always more we need to feel we think utterly satisfied for life for deep down we know how tenuous our connection is to the things in which we have pride this was nebuchadnezzar after after all a little dream and it's all unmasked the sham is up he sees just how vulnerable he is we imagine we have control but we are not masters of the universe the pandemic has taught us that surely the pride that says i am owed robs you of your joy but it also makes you angry and envious if you don't have what you feel entitled to you will feel ever resentful you will feel robbed you will feel as if the universe has conspired against you you will see others who have what you don't have and you will say that they don't deserve it. And you do. Theodore Roosevelt, a former president of the United States, once said, these are wise words. I don't think he was particularly religious as a man, but he said, comparison is the thief of joy. How true a word that is. You never feel more devastated than someone we don't like or we think doesn't deserve succeeds. What an awful thought.